The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. Then Joseph could no longer control himself. Before all his attendants, he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there had been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. So we are in a series called Dysfunctional Families, uh, and we are looking through the family lineage of Abraham to Jesus. And uh, for me, it is one of those moments where I find a lot of comfort in looking at these families from Abraham. Last week, we looked at Jacob. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at Joseph and his brothers. And they really, really put the fun in dysfunctional. And sometimes they put the mean in dysfunctional and the hurt in dysfunctional. But the story of Joseph today... Uh, is one of the most fascinating stories in scripture. I would highly recommend, uh, if you've never read that story before, it's Genesis chapter 40 to Genesis chapter 47. uh, And it tells the story of Joseph and his brothers. Uh, And the story kind of starts off funny. Uh, Joseph is the youngest brother of 12. And in this uh, group of 12, uh, typically how it would go is the oldest would be the most important, right? And then it kind of would go down in ancient times. But Joseph was most loved by his dad. He was the unabashed favorite child. Uh, he had had, uh, he, Jacob, his dad, uh, had two uh, wives. And there was Rachel and there was Leah, but he also had favorites there. And Jacob, or Joseph, was the son of his favorite wife. And so when he was born, as he grew into an adult, uh, to make matters worse, his dad made him this beautiful multicolored coat, almost to show him off of this is the favorite child. All right, so this is already bad, but Joseph doubles down. See, God starts to give Joseph dreams. And in these dreams, he says that he's seen 12 different stars or 12 different stalks of grain. And he goes, but your stalks, the other 12, the 12 brothers, you guys all bowed down to me. And he keeps telling the story to the point where even Jacob is like, son, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure if you should be doubling down on this. But Joseph, he keeps doing it to the point where the relationship starts to break with his brothers. To the point where they are no longer just frustrated with Joseph. They start to hate Joseph in their heart. And this is where the tragedy strikes. One day they're out in the flocks. Joseph is out. And his brothers decide, you know what, we're sick of this. We're sick of his talking. We're sick of being looked down upon. We're sick of not being the favorite child. And so we're just going to get rid of the favorite child. And they do. Originally, they were actually going to kill him. They were going to throw him down a well. But they realize, hey, actually, we could make money off of this. And so instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. 
And so Joseph goes from the favorite child into the life of a slave. And what's interesting in that whole story is that God is still with Joseph. In fact, what ends up happening is everywhere Joseph goes, God's favor is with him. And so he becomes a slave to the man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very important Egyptian official. And Joseph was so good at his job, eventually he ends up running the whole house of Potiphar. He becomes the head slave. But then misfortune arises. Potiphar's wife wants Joseph as her own, and Joseph runs, but she then accuses him falsely of trying to sexually assault her. So Joseph goes from slavery to prison. But in prison, God's favor is on Joseph, and he ends up being put in charge of the entire prison. While he's in prison, uh, he meets uh, a baker and a wine taster. And they're having these dreams. And one of Joseph's gifts was to interpret dreams. And so he interprets what these dreams mean. They come to pass. And eventually, Pharaoh starts having dreams. And Pharaoh can't figure out what the dreams mean. And so they call on Joseph, who's still in prison at the time. And he comes and he explains that these dreams that Pharaoh's having are to talk about how for seven years there is going to be feasting. There is going to be plenty in Egypt. And then for seven years, there is going to be a famine. And so he says that what you have to do is when the plenty is here, you have to store up grain. And then that way, when the famine hits, we'll be ready. Pharaoh likes the plan. Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of everything. And just like the rest of his career... Just like the rest of his life, whether he was a slave, whether he was in prison, whether he's working for the Pharaoh, it all goes according to plan. Now, while all of this is happening, his brothers are still north. His brothers don't know that Joseph is alive, that Joseph is no longer a slave, but that famine hits them too. And so they end up going to Egypt, where there is still grain because Joseph stored it all up. And they're trying to get grain from Egypt. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. And then again, this is a dysfunctional family. The story kind of gets weird because Joseph just starts messing with his brothers. I mean, straight up messing with them. He accuses them of espionage. He throws one in jail. He's trying to get to his younger brother from his mom, Rachel, right? All this is going on, all this pain, all this hurt. This dysfunctional family is still dysfunctional. Joseph hasn't completely forgiven his brothers yet. And I think all of us can relate to that in stories, can relate to that with our own families, right? We have hurt, we have pain, maybe not the kind of pain that Joseph experienced, but these betrayals and these hurts. And he's wrestling through it. But eventually we get to the end of the story. Joseph's whole family is there and he can't keep up the charade anymore. He cries out to his brothers and he says, guys, it's me, it's Joseph. And they freak out. Because the last time they saw him, they were selling him into slavery. But what Joseph tells them is, guys, it's okay. And this is what he quotes to them. He says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, Jesus' lineage doesn't run through Joseph. Jesus' lineage runs through one of Joseph's brother, Judah. 
And God used Joseph in his position to protect his brother. Even after all the hurt, even after the betrayal, even after everything went wrong, God used that dark moment, that horrible decision to do something beautiful, to do something powerful. Because you see, this is God's story we're talking about. God starts off and he is writing a good story, right? Genesis 1, Genesis 2. And God saw that the world was good. It's his story, but when sin comes in, it starts to write dark moments of pain and distress and hurt into that story. You see, that's what sin does. That's all sin knows how to do, is it takes God's story, something that was meant to be good, and it starts to pervert it. It starts to add lines lines of dialogue, lines of exposition in our life where we don't treat each other the way we're supposed to. Well, we are hurt, and hurting people hurt more people, and so sin keeps on trying to affect God's story. But what we see in the story of Joseph is that when you are in God's grace, when you are in God's story, even those dark moments, even that hurt, even that pain can be redeemed. It's not that God wrote those lines into your life or into Joseph's life. But God will redeem and restore any brokenness. And if you want to know what that looks like, if you want to see the the fullness of that, it's in Jesus. Right? Jesus comes down as the fullness of God, grace and truth. He's loving on people. He's caring on people. God's story is forcefully advancing. It's making people uh, who are uh, sick healed. The hungry are fed. And what do we do? We kill him. We nail him to a tree. The darkest moment in human history. We take the one guy who didn't deserve it and we we kill him. And God uses that moment, that dark moment, that dark line in the story to redeem and reconcile all of us. He uses that moment in the story to have our sins forgiven and to have us have access to the Father again, to rip the curtain that separated mankind from God. You see, God specializes in taking dark moments in stories and redeeming them and making something beautiful out of them. And so for those of you who have brokenness in your family, for those of you who have moments of darkness where you're still wrestling with, A, know that those moments are true, that God isn't trying to say, no, pretend this didn't happen. No. Sin is sin. Sin is something that God mourns with us. And so it's okay to mourn. But then we also have the faith and the hope of a God who says, but even that darkness, even that hurt in your past, he's able to do something good with. This comes from Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love them. In all things, in all moments, in the moments of light, and even in the moments of darkness, God can use them for the good of his kids the good of his family. Because you see, at the end of the day, it's God's story. And he is redeeming and restoring it. And he is sending us out to redeem and restore it. There are times of mourning. There are times of joy. 
right now our world is in a time of mourning. It's in a time of chaos. It's a time where it's really easy to see the dark moments of God's, or the dark moments of a broken world. We've got rioting. We've got protesting. We've got people crying out in the streets. We're scared. The effects of sin and the effects of sin on God's story is really, really clear right now. And so as a church, we mourn that with God, our Father, we are mourning. And yet, we are clinging to the hope of a Jesus and a God and a hero who specializes in taking broken stories and putting them back together again. Who specializes in saying, yes, the darkness is real, but the light is stronger Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so as his church, we cling to that. We hold to that. That even though the darkness is in the past, even though the darkness is in the present, that God still has a plan. And that we're still a part of that plan. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.